Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth McGuire. And welcome to another chat episode of Talking Lion. Noah, not only is this a chat episode of Talking Lion about a song that is finally out of ours that we <laughs> uh, have been kicking around for three years, but this is also the first and currently only episode of Talking Lion that we've done remotely. That's true. With you and me. With you and me. We've never done a remote episode before. We're usually side by side, brothers in being in the same liminal space. Um, but we're not. Where Where are you right now? I am on the island of Ponza in the middle. Ponza replay. Yeah, exactly. In the middle of Italy. You're probably going to hear a little bit of wildlife. Wildlife? Uh, yeah, just some bugs and stuff. Afterwards outside because everyone's <laughs> asleep inside. But hey, we have a we have a we have a new song out called C- CTFO, baby. CTFO. We finally caved and did the fucking abbreviated thing. So it was never something I set out to do. I, it was kind of a necessary evil with the, with the song. I guess I understand how people fall into the trap. Well, I, I also feel just like the line itself, and we could talk about this more like in the actual body of the episode. But the line itself, "Chill the fuck out," is kind of surprising. Uh, for like when it sort of comes in, you know, because the song is biting but sweet, and, you know, and we'll talk, like I said, we'll talk about this, but I think that it would cheapen it to know what the song was co- called, you know, know that we were getting to that line, you know, early. Yeah, so. it definitely would have been cheaper if the song was called Chill the Fuck Out. It also just wouldn't have been, it just yeah. wouldn't have felt like a Sleeping Lion title. Chief Technical Financial Officer. Exactly. But... This episode is going to be a chat. We're going to just break down this new song. If you haven't listened to the song, dear listener, it's right there on the computer that you keep in your pocket. It's on all the platforms. So listen to it and come back. Uh, You have the duration of this intro sequence too. (laughs) So without further ado, this is a chat episode of Talking Lion about... CTFO. Chill the fuck out. So how do you feel <laughs> that this song is finally out in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's out. I mean, you know, as we were talking to our friend in front of the pod, Charlie Curtis Beard, the other night, like, releasing music is the, literally the only thing that, like, is required to be an artist. And we haven't been doing a lot of that. So it feels good to put something out. Uh, you know, even if it feels kind of fancy climactic because we've held on to the song for so long. Um, it feels good. It feels weird. It, it, in a way, I'm proud. In a way, I'm proud because I feel like I've you know, grown so far from like the place where the song came from. Like there was a time when I thought that was the best I could ever write. There was a time when the the, the frustration I was feeling in the song was very real. And now I'm, I feel like I'm on the other end where I'm like, yeah, I could take or leave that song. It's pretty good, but it's I could do better. And uh, I don't feel that frustrated anymore. I'm in a much better uh, relationship with myself and a much better relationship with my significant other where I'm, I'm not, I don't feel that like existential frustration with how things are going down in my relationship, which led to a song like that. So like in a, in a, in a way, it, the song being out makes me just really happy and grateful for where my life is at now. Yeah, I think that like one of the things that I really just felt so significantly while listening to, to it last night while I was finally out was really just how, how different 
just everything is uh, since the 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 first time I I heard it. And, you know, between you know our 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 relationships, between our our you know me and you, our relationship, like the the song the song has I think changed a little bit over time, but we have changed so significantly over the time. And it's just really interesting to have this sort of, this time capsule. And, you know, you're right. Like, I've been thinking about what you and in front of the pod, Charlie said, which is like, this is the only job that we have at the end of the day, which is putting out music. And I think that like this song and, and we'll, you know, we, we can go into the story of it, you know, uh, as well, but like this song is such a testament to our habits and our philosophies and our feelings about the sort of preciousness of songs and, you know, the degree that it serves us and the degree that it doesn't and the sort of balancing act of that, that thing that I think every artist has to go through of just sort of like knowing when is it time to put out something? When is, you know, is this our sound? Is this, there's so much around this song, um, that I think led to it having come out three years after the fact and us having grown so much alongside it that, you know, I think is, is fascinating, but also, yeah, t- taking the heart. I hope that like after this record, you know, we're putting out new music, like within months of, of making it, you know, because yeah, it's, it is just so strange to be putting out music that feels like time capsules and calling it new music, you know? Yeah, definitely. Do you want to talk a little bit about, you know, because I, so, so I'll give a little bit of background and, and I think that this is, if you're willing to talk about it now, like an, a very interesting thing to kind of glean, but like this song was originally not for Sleeping Lion and this song was originally kind of a point of contention between you and I. And, um, and so I didn't, you know, we didn't write it together. It wasn't this sort of collaborative process that the songs were. This was, you know, I heard this song, like I was shown this song um, sort of against your will a little bit, kind of just like in this sort of yeah, heated area, you know? So like, I, you know, I wasn't there for the creation of the song. And I, so I would love to know kind of like what, what, where you were at when you wrote it, what inspired it, you know, where, you know, what sort of lines, the questions we asked, you know, in the podcast, you know, like where, where did this song kind of come from for you? Yeah. As I've been thinking about it in, in anticipation of talking about it, the, I remembered something that I had forgotten about, which was that the, the genesis of the song actually was, it was one of those songs I just wrote in my head. I was walking out of this apartment in Austin of this girl that I was seeing at the time. I'm sure we just got into some big blow blow up fight or maybe a smaller fight, but a fight that nonetheless made me really tired. And this line just, I think I was just musing to myself. I think I was just muttering to myself on the street, like, would it kill you just to chill out as I was leaving her house? Uh, and I just kind of sang it to myself and, and formed this little like seedling of a chorus and kind of sat with that and didn't really think anything of it for probably, I mean, if that was if that was the apartment in Austin, that was probably 2017. So that was probably just like a tiny little seed of an idea that I just had rumbling around in my head that I didn't grow into anything until almost a year later. And then I was... Uh, got into a much bigger fight with this person who I was in a relationship with 
and ended up going to New York and uh, I was hanging out with my mother and uh, the fight the fight kind of spilled over in that way that it does to where it kind of ruins not just like your your night but the and, and the, your time but the time of everyone around you and my mom started crying and I think that's when it really hit me like like how frustrated I was with the level to which things could escalate in this relationship and I was just thinking, like, my mom is crying. Like, would it kill you just to chill out? Would it kill you to just drop whatever, like, thing is is currently, like, is making this into a contentious situation for the both of us? Um, and, you know, whether that's right or whether that's, you know, uh, justified, I think I, it was something I just really had to feel in that moment. You know, I think I, I, that's why the song, I think, comes across as very, like, frustrated and biting, you know, because I was... I, I felt like I had to, I was so defeated and I felt like I had lost so much ground within myself and within this relationship. I had to kind of fire back and be like, this is so unnecessary. Like this, the, the, the way that, that you're behaving, but consequently, I think in the bridge, you know, it gets to the way we're behaving as a couple is so like extra for lack of a better word. Like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's too much. It's 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 too much. It's too much drama, uh, and uh, and I think it, it, that line popped back in my into my head as I was on this bus, on this mega bus back from New York. I was like, oh, would it kill you just to chill out? Would it you know be that hard to breathe and breathe out? And then I wrote the, you know, if you want to make a point, then clap, clap. You did it. Part. I also love that you're upset, so that means that you're right. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> fucking brutal, <laughs> brutal way to start a song. Um, I think that like. I, I tiptoed around the song a lot, but I always had, you know, when we were when we had sort of talked about like the, you know, what are the stages for the song? What what would it take for the song to to happen? To to to, you know, whether it's for you or for Sleeping Lion or whatever. Like, what would it take for the song to be done? I said that like I think that it's ninety five percent perfect, and but but and I was always so like almost timid to sort of share this thought, but like I I had a a big sticking point with the second, with the original second verse, which we could splice in from the, the original demo here. I love you, and I know you feel the same, but it's kind of hard to hear you when you're throwing out blame. Oh, no, no, well, that's the way that it goes. We give and we take until we don't know. But... You know, what was so interesting was that you wrote this song while you were still in the relationship. And so I felt that the second verse kind of pulled the punches a little bit, kind of like took it, like, it was still, you know, a little bit biting, but like compared to the first verse, and then obviously you turn it around in the bridge, but like compared to the first verse, it kind of just was like, like not saying anything that would rock the boat. And when when you we you revisited it during the pandemic after the relationship, and I was like, would you mind just looking at that verse one more time? You know, then you write this scathing second verse as well. Um, like, and of course, and you started the original second verse. I think started with "You're the best." The, the, the original second verse was "I love you," but it didn't oh, qualify. Yeah. <laughs> there was no there was no tension or no flip on it. It was literally just like "I love you," and I know you feel the same. But it's kind of hard to hear that when you're throwing out blame. It like tried to like give have that that push and pull but i think no I th that's what i realized when i liked the idea of it starting with like a positive thing and then flipping it immediately well that's i mean that's what i love love about it too is yeah that like you change it into this like okay well hey if i'm gonna have this like if i'm gonna start the second verse with something that's a little bit more like 
saccharine, romantic, whatever, like, a, like a, you know, a line you say, you're the best at picking stupid little fights, you know? Yeah. And I just love how, you know, um, like the, oh God, here we go. You know, like that was, I think in the original too, but the, like, you're in for the kill, you know, like this sort of, like, I just, yeah, I, I really like that that with some space from the relationship, you were able, you know, to sort of write the song that it was as biting as it needed to be, as opposed to worrying about how this other person might receive a lyric or receive these things, which is, I think, for people who write music while they're in a relationship and, and write music that, like, has to express certain frustrations because that's where we draw that sort of creativity. That is a balancing act that you really do have to have to consider, you know? Yeah, I remember playing the song for the person that it was about for the first time, and she was like, wow, that was really mean, but it is unfortunately really good. And, you know, like, <laughs> I, but it also, like, apart from that, like, it did start a conversation, and I, I felt like I had to backpedal a lot in that conversation of being like, well, you know, this isn't how I actually feel about you. It's, it's I'm just writing to kind of excise the emotion, which is true, and we talk about that on the podcast, but also, like, yeah, we talk sometimes about that, that's, yeah. that's also kind of not true. Like, sometimes, you know, you write, you write it for a reason. You say what you feel, and you feel it. Like, you know, you're getting rid of it to some extent, but you're still affirming it in writing a song about it. I, I think what's also interesting, too, is that, like, a lot, you know, like Casper and Small Things and, and, and whatnot, like, I think that that the record that we're working on most improved is definitely one of the more biting records that we've we've made like where we actually get to vent frustrations but i even just like listening back like listening to this record that we're putting together i'm even realizing how much like i've pulled my punches because a lot of those songs i wrote maybe thinking that we my ex and i would get back together and so i didn't want to write something that you couldn't take back but now you know some you've heard some of the stuff that, that i've written for my solo stuff. I've heard some of the stuff that you've written for your solo stuff. There are definitely lines in there that you can't backpedal from and that's fine, you know, but like, like that, that's the, you know, talking about the, this record being a time capsule, you know, we, there's, there are biting moments for sure, but, but also it's still just close enough to the, 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 the ending of the relationship to be like, but, but not too mean. So in case we do want to try again it doesn't you know uh ruffle ruffle it too much yeah and that's that's why i'm glad i got to revisit it like you said like i got to just go back with a chainsaw basically like with the after having written an entire breakup album processing the nuances of how i felt about the relationship i really just got to back, go back in uh like it's a fun pop song and and just like be as as biting as as humanly possible in that second verse. I'm, I'm really proud of the writing on that second verse. I mean, it's, I, I love it. I, like when you sent it to me, I'm like, yeah, you did, you did it. Like you, like, like here was my criticism. Here was my, here's how I, what I felt was missing from a perfect song. And you did, you, you understood the assignment, you know? It's interesting because this song, I think in a way that almost none of our songs have necessarily it also encompasses so much of the growth that you and I have had to do in our collaborative and artistic friendship and relationship and and business, you know, because we we obviously like there's there's some codependency between you and I for sure, but also like I have and and I you know have since gone to therapy for it and talked about it. And we've both had to grapple with how intricate and how tightly weaved our lives are. But I also think I felt so often so threatened by like your creativity. Like I think that 
and I, I'm I'm happy to say this very much on the record. Like I, for so much of our, and you know, on bad days, even now, I feel this way sometimes. But like, I feel like just so much of what makes Sleeping Lion special is what you bring to it, and that like, you know, it's not that like you're the producer and I'm the writer. It's that you're a great producer and you're a great writer, and like, and and I, and, and for a long time, I felt like you'd be great without me, and I would struggle without you, and. I think that over the years, we've understood that that's not necessarily the case, that we, we the reason that our, our Sleeping Lion has survived as long as it has, our business has survived as long as it has, is because we both bring so much to the table and get to rely on each other to do what we've been doing. But also that like us going and working on other records, either for other people or for ourselves, doesn't threaten that we're still in this band together. And yeah. at the time it did. And I think also at the time, you know, you were figuring out what do you sound as a solo artist separate from Sleeping Lion? And I was also, and and, and so when I heard CTFO and I'll like, so I'm jumping around so much in this, but like, like I heard CTFO in the context of, of a fight. So, like, I don't know how much of this you remember necessarily, but like, I believe you you and your your ex, now ex, were, were in the midst of a fight that was starting to percolate. And she made kind of like, and I, I could be misremembering this or whatever, so please, if you remember any of this, feel free to correct me. I remember her saying something along the lines of like, you know, well, if, if honesty is so important to you or something like that, you know, why haven't you shown Nate chill the fuck out? And and I was like, show me what? And it's like, oh yeah. And by the way, he's working on a solo project and like, you know, and and whatever. So I I, I asked to hear it and you you were, and I overheard you in the other room kind of say like, I didn't want to show it because he, he would want to take it for, you know, he would want to sort of say it's a Sleeping Lion song or that like whatever. And and but but basically, I was shown it in this sort of like very tense context between you and me, between you and your partner. Like it was just such. I remember just like the gravity of hearing CTFO for the first time and how tense it felt, like both as a song and the context in which I, you know we were listening to it. And and you were right, which was that I heard it. And I'm like, this sounds like a Sleeping Lion song because at the time, you know, Sleeping Lion sounds like you. Like you are the, you were the sound of Sleeping Lion. And so I, I think what's so interesting is that like since that time, like as you've developed an entire record, two records worth of solo projects, like you don't write and you don't produce like like a Sleeping Lion song. Like none of what you do sounds like what we do together. And likewise, like what I do now, like doesn't sound anything like what we do together. But that first song was, was still existed in this world. And I, and I felt, and I felt it and I, and I felt sort of threatening, you know. Um, and confusing. It was felt more than anything, just confusing to me. So that was just, that was the thing is like, like, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but you know, like this song, when I first heard it, it felt so sh like sharp and tense and scary to me, you know? And, and I'm going to stop talking on it. I want to know what you, what you where, where you're at with all everything I just said, but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think you, you, you touched on it, obviously. Like, yeah, I, I think for, for the longest time, I just felt kind of like, you know, I, I painted myself into a corner with Sleeping Lion and I had no idea what I sounded like by myself or like what I had to, like what I was even bringing to the table or that, yeah, on the, on the bad day, I felt like I was just like 
spilling out like my creativity and it was getting sort of you know, distorted through another lens. Uh, and it was really important to me to figure out like what what I was capable of doing by myself or that, you know, that I was capable of doing anything good by myself, you know, because I had this feeling of like, well, I feel like I'm I'm really I'm really good at this. I'm really good at writing. I want to get better at writing. Uh, but for, for the longest time, the dynamic was that you were the writer and I was I was the producer and I wasn't comfortable as a writer. So when I finally started writing, I, you know, I, I felt like, oh, I, I can't, I, I don't want to lose that too. Like, I don't want to like uh, write something and then have it get kind of chewed up by the maw of this, you know, machine. Uh, so, and, and you know, I was, yeah, I was, I was, I was worried about the song, but also it was, it was a very important, it was an establishment of independence, I think, in our relationship to, to, to be writing anything outside of it at all and just wanting to carve out space, a space that I think I've carved it a lot more like concretely now, but I was, that was the first impulse to be like, I want to write something good and I want to like just have it be mine just because I love making music and not because it has to get the best playlists or become part of this duo project or become part of the narrative of everything that we do together because you know that's that's what it means to be an artist as well apart from releasing music is to craft narratives around songs i think i just wanted a safe space away from you know from our relationship and from uh also from the industry to some extent which is why it's funny now that it's like a released song with press around it well and I, i think that like what felt so threatening to me when i heard it was like this is something that noah made on his own in this without a plan to release it. Because at, at the time I was like, you know, I, I believed that nothing could exist unless you released it, you know, or with, without a plan to release it or whatever, you know. And I'm like, I, I can't, like, I can't believe that Noah made this thing like in this vacuum. And it's one of the best things I've I've heard f- from him. It's one of the best things I've heard kind of period in a long time at that time. And like, and then of course my like beating myself up brain at the time. No, I remember hearing it and thinking, you know, well, so if this is the best thing that he's done and he did it as like something like separate from this plan that we've made together, what does that make the plan? You know, like, what does that make me? Like, what what does it say about what we've created that the best um, things come as a rebellion to? And my brain, of course, like used that word or whatever, rebellion to the plan as opposed to in the plan. And that was like, that That felt very potent. Like that felt like a very potent kind of like um, criticism of what I was, what I was, what I imagined like was was something I took sort of pride in was like what we were building or like, you know, whatever, like the, the overarching plan, <laughs> the five-year plan of Sleeping Lion or whatever. You know, and of course the irony and what's so wonderful and, and like the plotting of the growth you can see is that like as time has gone on, you stopped kind of caring if this was a Sleeping Lion song or a solo song or like whatever, like even make, like coming obviously around to like, oh yeah, it does sound like a Sleeping Lion song and it doesn't sound like the project I'm working on. And also, but also that I kind of came around to like, I'm now a big old fan of like all of your solo work and like absolutely love what you're doing like in that area of your your creativity. As you went from like not caring that if it got co-opted into Sleeping Lion, I, I sort of came out of like need, feeling the need to co-opt it into Sleeping Lion, which I think is the best place for this song to live 
you know, in a sense, you know. Yeah, I think I think I think the best place for it to to have landed up is this, is is a degree of nonchalance. Also, on top of all of that, like, what is a plan anymore in the music industry? What is a plan, man? Different different plans, man. Yeah, it's obviously still important, but it's it, you know, different plans. Or, or I don't know. I guess I guess it's you know one of my favorite quotes is the you know, plans are useless. Planning is essential. Like it's you know. Plans are plans are never going to get you where you're. Plans are never going to get you where you're going. Well, I, you know, I, I I remember like I was I was I was walking around a park in Louisville, Kentucky, you know, of all places. I think you were either in L.A. or in Rome or something. We we're just talking on the phone, and you know, at this point, we had been through the whole pandemic together. We had been through these crazy breakups. We, you know, we we we'd done so much work of just making sure we were like healthy and like mentally capable of doing this for however long we need to be doing this. And you said to me on on the phone, you said like, Nate, I, I'm working on these solo projects. I worked on these solo projects to, to figure out wh- where I sit on this whole thing, the, our collaboration, the creativity, all this, whatever. And, and what I've discovered in doing that is I like what we're doing and I'd like to keep doing what we're doing. Like you just kind of like said that, and I was like, "Shit, okay, you know what? Yeah, like, I, I, I don't have to live in this like insecurity for the like remainder of our time together, you know." And that was very. I appreciated you saying that a lot. I I don't know if I've said that to you, but like I I I, I can remember exactly like the tree I was standing next to when you said that, you know. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I think I think it's definitely a testament to. The growth that uh, that the song was able to that we were able to reach a middle ground with it, and and that it's it's able to have have a life apart from uh, like this the all the all the weight that the song has held for our relationship. It also held a lot of weight for my relationship with with my potential and with like the industry. I think you know like I held onto the song for a long time as my silver bullet. You know, I sent it to, I played it for the head of Art House Records. I played it for Cara Diaguardi. Uh, I sent it directly to Charlie Puth. You know, Chance the Rapper's manager heard it and was a huge fan of it and wanted to send it to Zed. Like, it went through so many, like, iterations and, like, people. And at every step of the way, I was just like, wow, like, this is it. Like, it was it was c- continuous proof to myself or, like, endless potential in myself that it's like, oh, no, like, I can do this. I can be a pop writer. I can be a pop vocalist. Like, I can be a pop producer. Like, I can, I'm the full package. Like, I can, I can do this. And I think there's something beautiful and sad about the level to which this release feels anticlimactic because for so long, you know, it, it felt like this was the song that was going to change everything. And now I don't care if it is. And I think that there's a, there's a beauty in that. I think there's a sadness in that. Uh, you know, I, I obviously want the song to do well, but I'm comfortable if it doesn't. I'm comfortable if it isn't the Zed hit that Pat the manager thought it could be. There's been, there's, there's so much like emotional weight in what I thought this song could be. And now it just is. It just is what it is. It's a Sleeping Lion release with a beautiful cover by Meg Meyer. God, the cover is so good. The cover is so good. The kind of irony, and this isn't like a, like a fucking I told you so moment either because it's just not that or whatever. But the irony is, is that like, like the things that we wanted from, like the things that you wanted, the things that I wanted, the things that we wanted from this song we're also so tied into the time that that song was made. Like that song, like that song was inspired in a lot of ways by like, by the human condition and glory sound prep. Like, like the, when John Bellion was like 
on the radio consistently. And, you know, and and before, like, there were TikToks and, um, and a time when you could, you know, pitch something to Zed and and pitching was like this thing, you know, and 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 a time when like having a Z cut was like, you know, right after um right after the middle where we we all wanted to be gray and Zed and like all that stuff. And the sort of irony is, is that like I think that this and this is a testament to your production, which is that like the song actually does sound timeless. I think Charlie said something similar. Like this the song sounds so unique sonically that like it could exist whenever and it, there's no stuff but we were writing it to some degree in a zeitgeist so that that now like it doesn't necessarily sound what we it doesn't necessarily sound like what we listen to now it doesn't necessarily sound like you know even some of the pe- the people that we're working with like obviously we have this like viral song happening right now with Lily you know that's a folk song and we've actually been like pretty solid at like writing in that space a little bit more. And I just think it's interesting because it's, it, I think, a, maybe even a cautionary tale to anybody listening of being precious and imagining that anything can be a silver bullet. There are no silver bullets in what we're doing. There- yeah, I think that's, that's, I think that's the takeaway is that, is that, you know, putting too much pressure on one song to be the song is probably not gonna get, what, get you where you're going. Because you don't have that's it's a thing, it's a it's a lesson in control because you don't have control over that. And I I think I think ultimately too that like yeah that like you can you could anybody can think that like I mean if you have a good song you have a good song and you should do right by the song like that's that's the the long and short but like like you're you're never gonna know if your song's the meal ticket until you're eating you know I really feel that like and anybody you talk to that's written a hit knows that they wrote a damn good song but knows that it could have just gone the other way just as easily you know and and to the degree that this song in my reaction to the song made you you know caused any strife between us like to the degree that, that this song caused any kind of heartache for anybody because of our feelings about the industry or about, you know, about where we were in our career or about like a, a feeling of, uh, of our relationship with, with our own creative freedoms outside of sleeping line and all that, whatever, like all of this noise around it, like not to say this, like what would it have killed us just to chill out. And I'm not saying you're in the wrong for not having put it out or like whatever, but here, like I wish that at the time, and of course we can't go back. I wish at the time that I, I was comfortable enough in and secure enough in everything that I I could have heard CTFO and said this is great, P- put it out under your name, you know your name or an alias, whatever. You know I support that. That's awesome. Let's keep working on whatever we're working on. But I and I likewise wish that that the industry didn't make make you feel the way that you felt, and I didn't make you feel the way that you felt, whatever. That that you would feel like you didn't have to hold on to it. You know that we that we just have to keep putting out music, man. You know, it's so indicative of like this such. This this really unhealthy, I think, um, mentality that we had around the industry that we've you and I have just done so much work, so much work to 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 actually get out of a little bit to the point where this can be potentially anticlimactic. <laughs> Everybody, listen to our song. It's anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah, we're we're advertising the fuck out of this, aren't we? No, but it's like I think I think the, the other important thing to remember is that you know it the INT climax comes from comes from a, from a lot of like growth, but that like there's 
that it was it was tense because we believed in it. Like it was tense because we believed it was a good song, and like that's like that's never going to change. And I, you know, I don't want to fault myself for feeling that way. Like I don't want to. I told my, I told you so myself, and be like, well, you, because that's the worst feeling is is feeling like oh, like you were an idiot for believing this much in the song. Because I don't, I don't think that's the takeaway. I don't want that to be the takeaway. No, and that's not, and that's not what I'm saying at all. Like I, I don't think that you were, I don't think you were wrong for believing in the song. I, I think any anybody. I mean, still anybody who listens to the song was, you know, is like, yeah, fucking believe in the song. It's a great song, you know. Like, like I hope it does well when you know as it, as it goes through because it's a, it deserves to have this life because it's a damn, you know, it's a damn good song. Like what I'm more saying is like I wish, I wish that we were we were able to both approach this song with with a with a a mind that that was that was free from kind of heartache. Or free from kind of anxiety, you know, that like that 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 our reasons for holding on to it could could be informed by a creativity, and in, or informed by by a a patience, as opposed to an insecurity or a fear or an anxiety, you know. So I'm not saying like kick yourself for holding on to it, and and, and also I'm not going to necessarily like kick myself for having reacted the way that I did, but but also just that like, you know. I, I always wish that I I was a little more comfortable kind of letting go of things, you know? Um, especially when, like, I care about them. Um, it's so scary to do, you know? And, and I think that, like, especially at the time, you know, Sleeping Lion, our friendship, our collaboration, our, you know, that was everything I, I felt like I had at the time. Like, that was all I felt like I had at the time. And... And it was, you know, it's, it was scary. Any and at that point, when you're holding on to one thing so strongly, one that's not fair to the other fucking person, then two, like everything, then looks like a threat to your whole fucking life. And I just, I, I'm so happy to not be there anymore. Ironically, I sort of traded up from that to I'm in my first relationship where we fight, and I've learned a lot from that. I've been able to connect with CTFO in a way that I didn't when you first wrote it. Yeah. I didn't, I've never been in a relationship where I fought with anybody, period. But two, that like the fights are, you know, genuinely about like wanting to spend more time together or wanting to build a life together or wanting, you know, to sort of do, do better together. And that's such a strange way. That's such a strange fight to have, you know, because... You know, someone's like, I want to spend more time with you. So, you know, I'm like, how dare you want to spend more time with me? I don't even want to spend more time with me, you know? Um, and, and, and of course, like, w- when, you're, when you're stressed, busy, tired, whatever, all you do really have to do is just take a breath and realize that, like, like it doesn't have to be so intense that, you know, that, like, there's... Uh, I, I had a therapist say there's a lot of creativity in in taking a moment and then seeing all your options, you know. But you know, it's it's funny because I I think I I now connect to the song in a way that I I had zero point of reference when you when you when you wrote it, and and it makes me respect your, your writing of it just so much more, even in like the last like year or so, you know. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's that's also the irony is like, you know, I'm I'm in a, I'm in a very I'm in I'm in a very different kind of relationship now, where I feel very removed from that that fever pitch uh, that that caused me to write the song, and I look back and then I, you know, I I, I don't 
I cringe to the extent that anyone cringes at a, at a former version of themselves, but the, maybe cringe is too strong a word, but I, I, I look on it with a kind of almost like a, I don't know, indifference, indifference isn't even the right word either. It's, it's a sort of a, almost like, I mean, the way you look back on, on, on a picture of yourself in high school, it was a kind of, you're, you're the older brother to yourself being like, oh, that was cute that you felt that way. That's kind of how I feel about it now, which is, which is funny. You, you've heard me kind of like take a shot at like the inner child thing where it's just like, yeah, you should like connect with your inner child. I'm like, my inner child was an asshole. He was like very, <laughs> like, my, like me as a kid was like judgmental. Like, I'm not trying to impress you. You've got to impress me, man. Like, I need you, you know, inner child to tell me why I need to give a fuck about you, you know? <laughs> oh, and there's this great, I guess there's a Joan Didion line that like, I think inspired a line in a souvenir song and this, that, and the other thing, but just like the idea of like maintaining um, a healthy relationship with, with the past parts of yourself, you know, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to find the quote if I can with ease. Oh, this is the line. This is a wonderful line. Can I, can I share this Joan Didion quote with you? Yeah, of course. You can always share Joan Didion with me. <laughs> Literally always down for Joan Didion. She said, I think we are all well advised to keep on nodding terms with the people we used to be, whether we find them attractive company or not. Otherwise, they turn up unannounced and surprise us, come hammering on the mind's door at 4 a.m. of a bad night and demand to know who deserted them, who betrayed them, who is going to make amends. We forget all too soon the things we thought we could never forget. We forget the loves and the betrayals alike. Forget what we whispered and what we screamed. Forget who we were. I'm like... I got chills reading that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I think to the degree that this song can be our attempt at at being on nodding terms with the people we used to be, with the sleeping lion we used to be, I, I'm I'm happy that it's out, and I, I'm I'm happy to 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 really genuinely feel like. You know, I I had I had some creative input in this song, and yeah, like I, obviously, like you know, once once you're open to it, like we have our usual sort of like I have notes, and here's what you know, a cool thing that we could do here, or, you know, and 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 the great sort of self reflexive thing of like we added it to Wine Drunk, so all of a sudden here's this like gang vocal idea that was presented in this other song that like incorporates CTFO into it. So then we bring the gang vocals into it. And then we were playing CTFO live so many times and you started to ad-lib at the end with the O's. And so now the O's are in the version, you know? And just like little things like that, you know, I love this sort of self-reflexive, like the song evolved as we kept playing it and stuff like that too. But I, I, I do actually feel really like good in a lot of ways. And I've been adamant in Q&As, I've been adamant in PR, like adamant, whatever, that like, like in a lot of ways, just like generous, you know, this isn't a 50, 50 sleeping lion song. This is like a 90% your song. This is, you know, an octopus's garden, but, but that this is, this is a while my guitar gently weeps. Okay. You know, <laughs> like this is you, you brought this and we put it out together, but this is your song. And, and, and I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it at least now being in the world, but, but this is, this is yours. And it, and it, and it makes, and, and I, I feel uh, like good about not feeling fucking threatened by that anymore or any kind of way about that anymore. So to the degree that I feel little about the song coming out, like that's so refreshing, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm just, I'm just reflecting. 
This is this song's very complicated. How we feel about this song? Yeah, it's also I think it's equal parts like like I'm glad this is on the record, but it's also I feel like it's nice to just have this conversation. I think it's just on release day, just to kind of parse through how I'm feeling about the song as well. Kind of like post mortem, you know? Yeah. I want to know if like if there are any like little production moments that you want people to like to, to pay attention to, but I always want to shout out like throughout this project we're having these sort of fake movie quotes throughout there. And I always kind of like as as a as a wannabe amateur screenwriter, I love writing um, you know, this opportunity to write a two-line scene, you know? Um, but it's uh it's the line is, you know, what are we even fighting about? Uh and and, and that's said by the wonderful podcast editor friend, dungeon master, you know, souvenir, Mason Maggio. And our friend Victoria Alejandro is the response. She says, what aren't we fighting about? What are we even fighting about? What aren't we fighting about? Yeah, I think it's a good encapsulation for like the thesis of the song, or at least like where the song came from. And, and the cover art done by the incredible, incredible Meg Meyer. And one of the f few cover arts that you're like featured in, like we very rarely do that. I think it's, yeah, I guess other than different plans, but that's that that's that's more of just like a general. There's more more going on than that one. You're recognizable in this. Yeah, sure. you can see that it's me, which is we yeah, that's weird for a sleeping lion cover. But it's cool. I mean, it's a beautiful shot. It, I think it really we really did a lot of work to to find in the location and capture the emotion of the scene. I love the canvas. Yeah, I love I love the whole thing around it. Yeah, my my original pitch was like to do like the the Magritte like lovers, but they're fighting with each other like under the blanket, which is a challenge to shoot because there's like costumes and like maybe green screen or or finding like a location and this, that, and the other thing. And then also that like, what I love about working with Meg that also is a, ch a challenge about working with Meg is that she does want to be creatively challenged. And so if you come up with an idea where like the whole idea is there and there isn't, you know, and, and you really need to like get that specifically it doesn't kind of give it her or anybody anything to kind of like work with as far as like evolving. Like what I love about when we do shoots with her for cover art is that we like, what's the best version of this? You know, should should a car pass by or should a car not pass by? You yeah, know? exactly. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we kind of scrapped the idea and I don't even remember how we got to like this, but you had told me about a fight that you had had with with the with with your ex, where that had sort of spilled out into the sidewalk, and you guys were both sort of sitting on the sidewalk. Um, and I'm like, that's a that's a cool shot, just like two people sitting on a sidewalk, looking like they just got into a bad fight, you know. But yeah, I feel like you know Meg captured it. There's also, I mean, I, I I can't think of. It's been a while since. I'm trying to think, I feel like it's been a while since we've had a sleeping line photo shoot. We've done like little shoots with Meg here and there, but I feel like that was the most fun I've had at a shoot in a while. Like it just there was such a nice little energy to that to, to to that to that day. Yeah, I mean, you know, like we very rarely, you know, and, and Meg has given us shit for this for sure. We're not the best at location scouting, um, <laughs> uh, and so it was actually kind of fun to just like walk around Pasadena trying to like find something that like worked and like. It, it it did. So shout out to Meg. Shout out to Victoria. Um, shout out to your partner, um, Danny, for holding the lights and helping assist with everything. Yeah. Is there a production thing about CTFO that you you hope people can listen out for? I was thinking about this. I 
I hope people appreciate the vocal production. Because I feel like that was the last piece. Like, I, listening back, I, was, I just listened back to the first demo tonight. And, you know, it's one of those things that I, I think back, I think it's a large part of, I think the vocal production on the original demo, not to like, I'm not going to get too much into the, you know, into this line of thinking, but I think there's, there, there's something to be said for... Uh, what was it about the song that like didn't necessarily land for like industry professionals when I was showing it to like people at the at the top of the industry? And I listened back to the original demo. I'm like, the, the vocals in the original demo are not good. Like it sells the song, or it, it it doesn't sell the song. It it is the song written, and it's like it shows you what the writing is, but it doesn't sound like a pop vocal. I think when I came back to do the vocal, I put a lot of time in to you know get the tone right and comp it and do a lot of fun little ear candy on the vocal, but like I also just have grown so much as a vocalist that like it's really night and day. And I, you could probably hear that in this episode with with you know between the demo that's in here and the and the, the finished product. I'm really proud of the vocal on that. I think it's probably one of the better vocals I've done. Well, if you wanna make a point and clap clap, you did it. Oh, this is making me should probably forget it. I know that I'm not helping things by trying to discuss it But while we're on the subject Would it kill you just to chill out? Would it be that hard to breathe in, breathe out? Lately I just wanna shut down When you like this, I don't know what it is But I kinda just wish that you would chill the fuck out it just, sound, it just sounds like a pop record. I feel pretty good about it. I feel like I've... I've ascended to the lofty heights of having of creating a passable pop vocal because uh, I, I, I put a lot of work into it and I'm really proud of it and I hope people appreciate that that's that wasn't by accident that, that that was a very concerted you know task that took a lot of hours of effort to actually put it together and a lot of years of effort to actually get to a place where I feel like I could you know do it to that level I mean I, I think you sound awesome on this like I think that like what what I love about your performance is that you do that and it's the thing I like about your solo project too is that when you're when you're I mean you sound great on on what what we do together and stuff but like when you are get to sing something that you wrote for your voice like and it's and and you get to encompass I mean, you know, you, we both come from this musical theater background. You get to encompass this like emotion behind it. You get the biting. You get the sincerity. Like the fact, like the fact that the song works. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like you are being really gentle, like even on the chill the fuck out. Like you are, you're, 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 you're just frustrated and you're done. And that's not it. That there's anger there. There's ever, but the the, the the sort of top emotion on that is just the like, like why why can't we just why and you hear that like in your vocal performance and it's awesome <laughs> yeah I, I, I listen back to the original vocal and I feel like I don't I don't buy it and also the fact that you're able to c capture that two years later you know yeah, I mean that's that's acting baby well but it's also possible that like like in, in an ironic way like you know you were you were maybe not trying to be honest with your vocal performance. Maybe it's because you didn't want to come off too honest to the person who was hearing it. Maybe it's because you, at the time you were self-conscious to, you know, about how a pop singer should sound. But yeah. I think like in the intervening years, you know, you can sit down and record a vocal and sound like you and know what that is and 
be comfortable in just like what that is. And and that in a lot of ways can open open the door to a lot more authenticity, you know? I also, I really want to shout out uh, Amelia Ali, who was one of, the, one of the people who's going to be on our acapella song, Wine Drunk. And, you know, she was, she's recorded a, a chill the fuck out as, as did, you know, hopefully a hundred people uh, or, you know, and I believe now 35 or 40 now uh, people have, but, you know, we felt that like, it was one of the last touches on the song. We felt that like in the bridge, we should have, you know, cause you're saying, you know, kind of just wish that we could, you know, it's like you're, you're taking, taking the responsibility in that too. And it's this collaborative. So to have her voice just doubling you on that last soft, chill the fuck out. I mean, Amelia could sing the, the phone book and and my heart would break. Uh, it's just so nice to hear her voice on it. Yeah, I really love that moment. Yeah, I think that's that's all I, I all I got in my head to say about it. Is there anything else kind of in closing that you want to mention or reflect on or or uh, leave people with? Um, you know, at the end of the day, Maestro, this is this is um, this is your your baby, and we're not we're not precious about that stuff anymore. I'm excited for everything that's coming more than I'm excited about everything that has happened. But um, I want to just say that I'm so grateful that the song is out. I'm so grateful for how far you and I have come personally and and that this is a special song. And this, maybe this could, this is still a silver bullet. Who knows, you know? But, but even if it is or isn't or like whatever, you did a great job with this. And you, as you've been through our entire friendship and and career you've been extremely pardon the pun you know generous for for, for tr- trusting me and, and and being comfortable bringing me into some of this stuff so I just really want to acknowledge that you know and and let you have the the, the parting parting thoughts on the song you know yeah I mean I, I feel like we've said a lot of good stuff uh, on today's episode I, I I think I just you know I'm I'm happy that it's out in the world I'm happy that I'm happy uh in happier in life and more capable of taking the lessons of the song to heart. And I hope everyone just goes and listens to it. Thank you everybody for listening to this episode. Thank you everybody for listening to CTFO. As Noah said, listen to it, blow it up. This can be a hit if you let it be. And and seriously, man, congratulations. I'm, I'm so happy this song's out. Yeah, me too. We will talk to all of you in listener land very soon. We would like to thank Isotope for their support of Talking Lion. Thank you for listening and see you next time.